Welcome to Sundays on the East End. This is Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolo. And we're going to be speaking with our guest, Amy Efron, in a, a little while. She's incredible. I mean, what, what, what do you call these books? A young adult now? I mean... Yeah, so she's an author. Yeah. Uh, she's been a producer. She's been a, uh, an executive in the entertainment industry. She's been a songwriter of some note uh, on uh, Sesame Street, I think. That's so cool. And uh, also uh, kind of a, a member of a, of a family that has cast a lot of shadows in show business. So Absolutely. Um, you're just a very cool person. Yeah, and we're coming to you from L&W Market on Main Street Bridge, Hampton. Where you can grab and go stuff, and they have uh, food from Almond Restaurant next door. They're also selling Kadima sets, which I saw when I came in. What and is that's that? A, that's like the smash ball on the beach, which I love. Is it, does this, is this a sport? It, it's, it is a sporty endeavor I know, out on the beach sport. that can happen from eight to eighty, and I only mention it from because eight to 80. I only mention it because I think one of the things that we're going to be touching on today is how summer brings out the inner child in all of us. It does, and that in summertime it's kind of a season of magic, Midsummer Night's Dream being even Shakespeare touching on that. That's kind of cool. What kind, well, what kind of kid things do you do in the summer, sock? That you um, don't do the rest of the year. No, I can tell you, um, uh, you know, I play softball out here uh, yeah. every week, which is in a pickup softball game. Uh, what I'll position do you play? Swim, I'll swim in the ocean. I, wherever, I just want to help the team. Utility player. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'll swim in the ocean a lot, and I'll do uh, beach uh, fires at night. Uh, I'll, I'll do all these kind of, like the summertime to me is this period where you have your day, and then you have a second day in that day. It's like it just never ends. Uh, it's, it's just time. You know what I did so last night with Eric it was so nice and it was so magical was that we went out into our little, you know, we have a vegetable garden. Everything yeah. is just growing like crazy because I never have time to like do anything in there. And it was just filled with fireflies. And That's cool. And it was cool. so beautiful and so magical. Yeah. And then I got a tattoo. That's what I do in the summer. So. Well, but even <laughs> that, it's like it's a time of imagination. I mean, I, I'll tell you one thing I do in the summer. I eat s'mores in the summer. I don't eat s'mores the rest of the year. You don't? What's wrong with you? Do you remember? Do you this is a Jen Leroy Walton story. My mom, okay. she used, didn't Malamars used to have an actual season, which makes absolutely they no sense. They do have a season. And, and, and from what They're I've been told. They're not oysters. No, but what I've been told, it has to do with the refrigeration trucks that got them safely to their shelf on the supermarket. And that in warmer months, they couldn't guarantee the product. And so, um, you but know Malamars, everything. Malamars do have a season. But Malamars is like kind of like corporate <laughs> s'mores. I mean, like. They're corporate s'mores. <laughs> like, like, like I, I'm talking about a real s'more. I'm talking about. A s'more. I know what you like, mean. With a little sand in it. Cause, like, Can I be if, honest with you? I've never had a real s'more. Oh, will well, you make me a s'more? I will. And we got to burn them. And then some people like eating the burnt part, the Richard Pryor part. And, <laughs> and some people... I'm speechless. What, is it too soon? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is like 30 years ago. Okay. Um, and some people pull that off. And, and, and like, like the raw that, part. The raw stuff. But uh, like, the summertime, I think, has always been a period of magical thinking for me i don't necessarily do my best writing in the summer but i do my best imagining in the summer and well amy certainly has a lot of imagination because her books revolve around these sort of magical adventures that, that kids take i mean and but but they're so original and, and in fact georgia my daughter georgia warner wrote interviewed amy last year and did a big story for the independent um, and that was on Castle in the Mist, I think. And now another book is coming out. They're coming out this this Christmas, um, and and they're magical books. And and, and, and it's and Tess and Max. Is that Tess and Max are the are the Tess, protagonists? Tess is the protagonist um, who uh, can kind of uh, merge into the other side, the other world, uh, and heal hearts. And That's so cool. um, I, there are books I think that are targeting eight to twelve, but I I've read all three and. Um, they're captivating. So that's the other thing I think I'd love to talk about today with Amy is is um, how she uh, paints pictures with her words and uh, even what her process of writing is because I'm always interested in how people can can put anything on paper that's cohesion. And cohesive. we all are three different kinds of writers. You you write screenplays mostly, and I write news. What you know, short 800 word pieces. Bam, bam, bam. Lots of them. And Amy writes novels, and to me, the the idea of writing a novel is so foreign. Yeah. 
because you you have to have an idea. I, my ideas are, are spoon fed to me. I want to go back to summer. You know, you know another thing okay, I do summer, I do yeah. out here, and this is all about sweets. I'll I'll have ice pops in the summer. Oh, I love things it's that, like that. That four p.m. ice pop is just it just makes you feel like a kid again. Yeah, and especially um, if it melts all over your hand, you get sticky. Absolutely, um, I'll play labyrinth. If you remember that game, the Marvel game. Yeah, you know, of course. Things I that love I would that. never do in the, once the school year starts, even though I'm so far. Even though you're like incredibly that. old. <laughs> yeah, no, but. No, but I know what you mean. It, it's it, it's it's a period that really makes me feel like, like. I'm a child again. And I guess I have a bit of that, too, because, you know, I'm not an outdoor. You and I could, in some ways, could not be more different. I am not an outdoor person. I'm like powder. I just don't leave my house. But in the summer, there's just something about the evenings that makes me want to grab my husband's hand and go for a walk. I want to Yeah, I, I took walk. a nice walk last night, actually, as the you sun did. was setting, just in my neighborhood. And I and that's, it, it, there's, it's two days. You know how, like, Winston Churchill had two staffs like he had two eight hour he put in two eight hour days right cigars booze and then two staffs and take away the cigars and the booze right i feel that way i feel like there's a second day that i have uh in these months and um yeah it's just time kind of stops which is nice well we're gonna bring amy afron on after we take a break you're listening to us sundays on the east end with bridget Leroy and alex Sokolow. we're coming to you from wppb Long Island's only NPR station, Peconic Public Broadcasting. You can also stream us online at 883wppb.org. And you can always make a donation to the listener-supported National Public Radio. We'll be right back after this. Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy and Alex Sokolow and our guest Amy Afron. Amy, welcome. Welcome, Hi. Amy. Thank, Thank you so you. much for coming on. Are you enjoying the summer? I am enjoying the summer a lot, actually. You just got back from France where you were doing research, quote unquote. Uh, you, you and Alan <laughs> were at a chateau. We were at a chateau and we went to two castles. Isn't um, a chateau a castle? We Explain were at a difference. chateau, which was a hotel, and then we went oh. to two very famous castles where... Um, were you studying on Catherine, how, how, Catherine how to, how de to Medici, be... De Medici had a big fight with the mistress, and they had to switch castles. And frankly... I have that problem the, all the time. Right. Me too. <laughs> I, yeah, somebody got mad at me, and I had to move Switch castles. Their, uh, yeah, Absolutely. I had the better house. Absolutely. <laughs> no smoking castle. <laughs> <laughs> what, what kind of research, in quotes, were you doing on I castles? I was wondering whether France would be a good place to maybe take Tess and Max on vacation. Tess, let's talk about Tess and Max. Tell <laughs> but, us about Tess and Max. But I don't think France is a good place to take Tess and Max on vacation because I think there's something magical about England. Oh, and absolutely. And Ireland. We just came back from Ireland. It's so magical. And Wales. I mean, yeah, uh, yes. the British Isles. Right. But the, your second book kind of right. spit into Wales. Wales. Yeah, spit into Wales. And I think there are ghosts. I think there are, it's not just mythology. Sometimes lamps fly across the room. You've seen I that? once when I once was researching a horror movie, which is one of the reasons I know Hampshire so well, because I had a friend who off wheel drove me in an Alfa Romero places we were not supposed to go, and we encountered a lot of strange things, but the Covent Garden Hotel where I was staying had been a hospital in World War II yes. and it's very famous for mm -hmm. being haunted. And we did see a lamp fly across the library at one point. People wow. told us not to go into the basement. But there's something about England where you feel that the spirits are present if you can only reach them or they can reach you. And so it seemed a perfect place to send Tess and Max so for what, their adventures. What came first, Amy? Your kind of belief in magic? Or did you it grow more from writing these books? I wanted to do a contemporary version. I did a little princess. I was uh, the first was actually my right. idea and I was the first writer and I was producer on it of the film and it which was is my so, such a glorious film oh, is that true yes um, is that what drew you to it I knew that it was PD which nobody knew Fox had forgotten to copyright it 
and I knew wow. that the property was PD, so it was like money's public, public, public domain. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I think I know how to how to do this. Let me see if anybody. And I partnered with Mark Johnson, and we went out. And, and I know that Georgia told you last year that's like absolutely one of the, her favorite movies well, ever. A, we watched it hundreds of times. It's also Alfonso Cuarón's first movie, and wow. it was an extraordinary collaboration for a lot of us. It was very magical. But what, what I was drawn to is something that you know about, which is the orphan child fantasy. Absolutely. Absolutely. When I, you know, a lot of the writing I do, a lot of the feature film writing I do. Toy Story. Uh, deals with uh, this idea that, you know, children somewhere between the ages of around 9 or 10 and 12 or 13 kind of have these orphan fantasies. And you see them in Dickensian stories. You see them in Harry Potter. Absolutely. You see them in... Francis Hudson Burnett, mm-hmm. Secret Garden. Right. The, the orphan, orphan child. The, the yeah. basic idea is as the child is emerging into their Heidi. own teenage uh, uh, lives, uh, they realize that there are no adults that can sa- adults that can save them. So that the stories <laughs> that tend to resonate are the stories that uh, empower the kids have to empower themselves through the stories. And you even see it on Stranger Things now, which is still uh, right. so vibrant. Or, or Stand By Me. I mean, or if you want to go back me. like uh, Stephen King, you know, um, where, but, where it's a bunch of boys who basically are neglected right. by their families. And, so and, they and one, of, their one of the things tribe. I love about this book series um, for, is that Tess and Max really are left unencumbered by adults and are exploring all these different realms and worlds, but ultimately it's up to them to solve their own problems. It's up to them to, to heal all the hearts that they have to heal. It is, and at the same time, the other thing that they do, part of why I did it is there was so much dystopic fiction out there that I wanted to do what I call a modern-day mashup of an old-fashioned children's book. Right. And set and it in that contemporary... Was Castle, Castle in the Mist. Castle in the Mist was, was your first, first one. And, and set it in contemporary times, except that then you went somewhere else. Right. And there weren't any bombs, and there weren't any explosions, and there wasn't going to be... There was going to be, is it real or is it imagined? Right. And they do have to save all kinds of people and deal with hearts. But the other thing that they hold on to is things that they were taught along the way, which I think is very important. I kept hearing the educators who kind of imprinted me when I worked at Sesame Street and the electric company. Oh, we're going to talk about, about Sesame Street can, as well. What you can teach a child. And so they run tapes in their heads, test us of things about things her father has told her about how to get along in the world and she tries to use those. But, but I was going to say, so they turn what they've learned into action. Action. Right. Right. And, and let me ask you this, because like, one of the other things that really popped out is the relationship with Tex and Max. It feels very um, authentic to anybody that has a sibling. Uh, she's both protective of him and a little dismissive of him. And he uh, <laughs> is, is independent and yet very reliant on her. And it's a really fascinating kind of like a lot of things I think in your books. Um, it starts off where you think it's it's pretty simple, and then it gets really complicated. And you realize how complex it is, and so how'd you get there? With well, them? I think everyone who has a sibling, the truth of the matter is, you can fight with each other all you want, but if anybody else says anything about you, or you have to face a common danger, you become a united front. Absolutely, and there's no way. Now, Amy, are you the baby that. of the family? I am. So, is n- what was the order of Nora, things? Nora, Nora, Hallie, me, and. Are, uh, w- are all four of you writers? We are all four right, writers. Because I know that yeah. Delia and I'm and actually Nora, not that. Obviously, Nora's like twelve years older than me, so I'm like, I was like four and a half when right. she went to college. So it's almost a different right. dynamic. Like, yeah, I get um, that. But I know that we can fight. We can certainly fight, but don't say anything to <laughs> yeah. either one of us. Don't say anything bad about one. my sister. Yeah. And, you know, and we have each other's backs. Right. Which but is but I also, and I'll, I'll go back to this, I really love that their parents are very much alive in the background of the storytelling, but don't exist in the actual storytelling. And to me, one of the magical things was diving right into this world that you've invented where... Um, they are really left to their own devices. And in the helicopter parent days that we all are living in, that in itself felt like uh, it was a, 
it was uh, magical. But it's you, funny because it's sort of like the like in Victorian, the Victorian stories you were talking about of of the children who were you know what did you call up them up in the attic, uh, right. abandoned yeah. children, orphan child, yeah. yeah, orphan child, right? But they really were orphaned. Now it has to do more with parents who have two or three jobs, so but they're it's not also around the, the beauty. Key. But it's also the beauty of summer, which is where we start, where yes. you get to go off on a bike ride to the beach, and then you're alone on the beach, yes. and then what if actually you took a little turn into that cove over there, and then you were on the other side, and what is the other side? Side. And one of the things that Tess can do is go to maybe inadvertently, because sometimes Max gets there first sitting, she has to go rescue him, or someone else does, she gets to the other side. Right. And in the first book, there are these hedges all around the castle that she mysteriously lets herself into. And the little boy who lives there, William, says, don't ever go on the other side of the hawthorn trees. And what and does of she course, do? She, she, she <laughs> well, Max does, does. Max does. And she has right, to right, go. Right. right. She has to go and get him. She has to go. And then William goes after him. And then she has to go you, after them. You were them. mentioning, though, to me the other day that, that when you when you were kind of conceiving of that, you didn't realize the magical aspects of hawthorn trees. Hawthorn trees. trees. One of the things I learned after I turned them into hawthorn trees is that hawthorn trees used to be what they gave people to heal hearts, hawthorn berries. Yeah. And now we're doing, I, I wish I'd known that when I was 20 and I had right. a heartbreak. Um, that was like, it was like some kind of weird candy for people who were nursing a heartache. Aww. But they're now doing research and they think there may be some medicinal well, powers all of those to things. hawthorn trees. Right. All of those things that, they, that, that people used as medis- for their medicinal well, value mean, are coming back, you know, because they really worked. Right. And let's talk about Not heartbreak, right? So 20, when I was, when my, my I mean, big le- heartbreak. I hope leeches don't no, come back. Sorry. My big heartbreak in my early 20s put me in a total funk. Does it, the details don't matter. What I remember is somebody giving you a hawthorn berry. No, no. But, but actually <laughs> going to watch Sid and Nancy, and that uh, that movie oddly got me out of the funk. Can I, I tell you how much I loved that movie? It Alex just, Cox, brilliant. It was just like I watched that movie. I'm like, yeah, things aren't that bad. <laughs> 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 That's really funny. Oh my god! But listen, then Carnival Magic came out last year, didn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah. So you you wrote that, and then you have the new one that's come out. So you wrote very quickly. Uh, apparently. Okay. I apparently. Did. What, what, what's your, what's your when you're when you're in active writing mode? Yeah. What is your writing day? When do you write? You write in mornings. You write at night. You write. Whenever that it strikes um, you. I'm not organized in that way good, at all. Good. Good. Um, I do my best thinking. Um, I drive to the fish store in Malibu. I walk on the beach. Alan comes home and goes, what did you do today? And I go, I went to the fish market. And then four days later, I'll have 12 more pages. And you'll go, how did you do that? Mm-hmm. And I go, I don't know. But you, you figure have, things out. I don't know. No, I it's because you have yeah. little pixies yeah. that write for you. You don't really do your writing on the computer. Sometimes you do it in your head. Absolutely. I, I, yeah. and somebody said this to me just uh, about a year ago, is that what, what writing really is, is channeling. And you're just channeling something. If you're lucky, you channel it and somebody can access it. And if not, it becomes a diary, and then you don't well, show I, it to anybody. And I know this is nothing compared to you two are, are real writers, and I just do the, the newspaper stuff. But a lot of times I get very, very nervous, especially if it's like, you know, Tony Kushner or one of these, like, big people well, that yeah. I'm interviewing. And, and what I do, and it's always Do you imagine them me. in their underwear, like no, Jen no, Brady? It's not the, inter- it's not <laughs> no, the interview the itself. The bar no, it's herself. not the interview itself. It's the writing of it. I get very, very nervous. But I, I oh, this has never failed me in 26, 36 years I've been doing this I go to sleep and I know that when I wake up in the morning I'm going to have the opening sentence and that's what happens and once I Can have it I write it I write it in 20 minutes how do you learn that trick I just believe it I just believe that, I, that and then you're done 20 minutes, minutes later 20 minutes later the story's completely written yep, so you yeah. just need to open the portal maybe an hour but yeah I need to open the portal exactly and we're going to talk more about that I think we should probably take a little interlude um, but I want to talk about the Manson family and uh, Sesame Street both of two things that Amy Efron <laughs> has in common um, and we'll brilliant hear, brilliant yeah, yeah we'll, we'll hear about that after we take a break you're listening to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy and Alex Sokolow. we're on WPPB Long Island's only NPR station 88.3 FM and we're coming to you from L&W Market in Bridgehampton we'll be right back
So we're back, and uh, it's Bridget Leroy. Alex Akalu. And Amy Efren. <laughs> Sunday's on the East End, and uh, we were just, ha- I mean, sometimes we have the most interesting conversations during our little breaks. Let, there was so much that we just talked about, but we were talking about the occult and that lamp flying across the room. And Alec talked about, you know, being open to it. And if you're open to things, things happen. You and become a channel. And if you open a portal, you, you can sometimes go through it. I once wrote a piece called Why I Quit Being Psychic. Because a lot of psychic things have happened to me. And it was like a run on an AA thing where, right, like, hi, hi, I'm Amy and I'm psychic. And right. in my fantasy, everyone else in the room screams, hi, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> hi, Amy. <laughs> I'm psychic and all I do, can oh. do is, is play it one day at a time. Right. Right. And I quit. And then I uh, inadvertently. How did you close that portal? Um, I was driving on the highway. This is a true story. It's in the, and suddenly a car, a lot of crazy psychic things had happened to me. Nick and Nora had gotten married, and they hadn't told me they were getting married. This is and Nick Pelleggi and Nora Efron, Efron, if you're and, just joining and us. And I went out, and I bought three dozen tuberoses, and I'm allergic to tuberoses. And I came home, and my husband at the time said to me, why did you buy tuberoses? You're allergic to them. We're not having a party. What's going on? We were living in a 900 square foot house. Okay. Right. And like, yeah. here's these tuberoses. And I started arranging them all over. And the phone rang. And Nora said, um, we just got married. And they were her favorite flower. Oh, wow. So, so you just knew. That I yeah. knew. Right. So the, and then like four other things happened. And then I'm on the flute freeway and I'm driving really fast and some guy looks over at me this is true he was blonde completely great looking and he stared at me he didn't have his eyes on the road we're both driving 90 miles an hour he pulls up in front of me as if he wants me to follow him and his driver's license plate says psychic one are you kidding me and that was when I quit I decided I went I didn't know what was going to happen if I followed him and I shut the portal down. But wow. that's... <laughs> no, I mean, you should reopen and have him come back. I, well, what well, would I, I think what I did with the Tess and Max and the other, the other side of the wall is that I opened that portal for Tess and she can see things and she can feel things and she can go places that which, other people can't go. Which, by, by the way, again, I, I think children... Can do that. Can do that so yeah. much easier than adults. And one of the sad aspects of, of growing into uh, maturing into adulthood is that that portal does get closed and it stays closed, or you lawyer it closed and you never allow it to open. Did you say you lawyer it closed? Yeah, yeah, I love that. yeah. yeah. You, you, you argue your, yeah. your way into closing. There's no it. reason why I should right. know that there's magic because that doesn't make any sense. But you and I have been having this conversation for a year. Yeah. Because I kind of do believe in magic. I believe in magic. I mean, I just do. I, I and still the believe hashtag in fairies. For the castle in the mist is believe in magic it is yeah. hashtag yeah. believe in magic yeah so there's castle in the mist okay wait 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 let's go way back like because we were right, talking about Charles journalism Manson. let's talk about your 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 <laughs> you, you managed in one sentence uh to say you covered charles manson and then you went to work at sesame street yeah yeah please explain the how horror. that happened oh the horror <laughs> which was worse no okay um so to talk about covering the manson trial what well, where who were you working for i was working for a magazine called scanlon's which was very short-lived which was started John by Scanlon? Sidney Zion and Warren Hinkle, who was Ramparts. And luckily for me, the magazine folded before I had to write the piece, but (laughs) I did manage to get into the courtroom and cover the trial. Wow. Um, And I had hair down to my waist, and they would, like, frisk me every day because they didn't believe I wasn't one of the girls. And it was... um, (laughs) And did you answer to Squeaky? I I interviewed Squeaky. Did you? I love Squeaky. Was she a nice woman? I... I, Other than the murder? No. She didn't murder it. Wait a second. I'm I'm gonna defend Squeaky here. Squeaky did not murder anybody. No. No. Squeaky shot at Gerald Ford with an Oh you're right. With like an air gun, right? No, a a pistol that didn't have any bullets in it because she didn't like his ecological stance. All right. So she she was an eco warrior. She was an eco warrior. She was actually a runaway. She was sitting on a corner reading a book and unfortunately. Charlie Manson walked up. She was the reason I wanted to cover the trial, because I became obsessed with Squeaky Fro. My okay, orphan. No, no, but, but, but right. you're bringing humanity. You're bringing humanity to her. You're making her three-dimensional. So she, she, she gets caught up in this. And she was sitting on a street corner with nowhere to go. And unfortunately for her, the person who walked up was Charlie Manson, and she went with him. Right. Which could have been somebody to your else. thing about sex trafficking, right. which, which is something that uh, right. so Sock I've, and I have talked about. Yeah. Those she girls was, she was underage. Yeah. She was at risk. What yeah. we would call high she risk. Got, she got recruited. She got recruited, and, and much like 
the, the trafficking conversation. I do know from reading Helter Skelter that, that uh, Charles Manson used heroin as the leash. You know, you had these and girls and these women and, and, and got guys and got them, everybody hooked on something. And he was kind of the puppeteer but at that point. sex always goes with that somehow. Yeah. But yeah. I was also, like I mean, Ed Sanders God. was completely obsessed with it too for, mm. for different reasons because he came to it from rock and roll. Yeah. Right. And, you know, what's the cult mass whole thing right. going here? Where, where, the, this, where this ties into the summer is that Tarantino's latest movie kind of touches on the Manson murders, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is opening right. in a couple of weeks. And so right. It's also a very L.A. story, though, because the truth is that anybody who was really paying attention, it had gotten so crazy in L.A. that something was going to happen. It was kind of clear that something was going to happen. Nobody was telling. My, my mom always had a rule. I'll, I'll make an homage to my mother here, okay. which is in yeah. these books. Always know the person's first and last name. And that way, if you get lost, somebody might be able to find you. Now, it doesn't actually make sense unless you can text somebody the last name of the person you're just right. about or, to go or, or, or yeah. somebody like Charo. <laughs> doesn't have a last right. name. Doesn't have right, a right, right, and, and whatever Sting. name is Sting. Angel, right. I'm following Sting, but you have to know the first and last name. That way, they can find you, and that way you can also have some sense of who you're know a little bit. But my mother was, for all of her bravery, and you know, she was a working woman and everything. She was a little cautious, and she taught us to be cautious because she wanted us out in the world. And I think I channeled a little bit of her for Tess. Absolutely, um, that's cool. Well, wait, but before right, we so get back so to so the books, we're, let's we're talk Manson, about... And so, and so you Manson cover Manson, the magazine folds. No, wait, so, so I convinced the people who own... I was the receptionist. Okay. And I convinced them that my friend owned the ranch next door, which was true. I just didn't realize the ranch next door was like... 700,000 acres away and that if anybody screamed it was really scary going out to and I had a friend yeah. named Doug DeJoya who was Italian who came with me and got really mad at me for taking him out to the Spawn Ranch but there we were yeah wow. Wow. Um, but you're not scared of anything when you're 17 no and 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 how did that somehow segue into Sesame Street well, the magazine folded. I came back to New York, and I was looking for a job. And Christopher Surf, um, who I'm still very good friends with, had gone to work at Sesame Street. And he offered me a job doing books and records and toys and games. I was a non-broadcast editor. I think what I really did is segued, which is what I tried to do with these books, from evil to good. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to write these books. The first book doesn't even have an antagonist in The Castle in the Mist. I really broke right. a rule the there. Go. And I remember my agent, who we're not supposed to be speaking to anymore, and I'm not, <laughs> um, saying to me, what's wrong with you? Why wasn't there an antagonist in this book? And I said, because these kids are dealing with an awful lot right now. We're all dealing with an awful lot. It's a very, and what I wanted to do is take a step back into a world of fantasy, a world of empowerment. They're very much about self-empowerment too and believing in yourself. But let's, let's go back to Sesame Street because that's, it sounds like you, I mean, that is what Sesame Street was invented for. And, was and to by the empower. way, you're telling us how we can get to Sesame Street. Yeah. No, no. I mean, but, <laughs> one way. One way to get. There's a, there's a back door, apparently. <laughs> no, but, nobody but is, ever told No, but you when you're that. saying all of that about your fiction books, that is also what the show Sesame Street <laughs> did for, I don't want to say orphan kids, but for kids who. Latchkey kids. Latchkey kids, kids who were watching TV. And also the Electric Company, which was about. I love that show. Which was great, about great reading. Great actors on the Electric Company, yeah. right? I mean. Rita. Uh, Hector Elizondo right. and Rita Moreno. Right. Uh, yes. I'm trying I'm to think. Not, uh, It'll come to Morgan you. Yeah, and there was also a lot of wordplay. Yeah. And some of that I do in the book where, you, where Tess realizes that there's a connection between amaze in England and the word amazement. And oh, a I lot remember of that, that comes yeah. from, and that comes from everything we did had to be vetted by the educators. And I remember being in the factory when we made toys in America at two in the morning and making sure that Grover was the right color because we were trying to teach primary colors. So he had to be the right 
color. That is the coolest. And Oscar the Grinch had yeah. to be the We've right. We've gone so backwards <laughs> as a culture because, even, like, New even Jersey. I hear that and I start thinking, oh my God, is there a PC problem with, with that? Well, see, and that's, we were at Topper Toys, and the guy who owned Topper Toys, this is an unknown fact. Marvin Topper? No. no, I don't know if that's his name. He then went on to invent. Testing Alex Ocolo, who knows everything. Uh, he does not know everything. The electric toothbrush, what? <laughs> Almost. He invented the camera that allows people to see poker games on television. And he oh, became that's so a, cool. <laughs> mean like a fisheye lens yeah, thing? Yeah, that's so cool. That is really, no really neat. He's no longer in the toy business. No, he, he, does he, he moved from Sesame Street to Fifth Street. But Amy, uh, Amy Efron we're talking with. So in, what, what are some of the things, you, you said you got credit for a song. So you were writing for Sesame Street. I was writing for the electric company. Uh, and the I was not writing for. You were writing I, for the electric yeah. company. So I may have me, credit on one. Uh, but mostly I was doing also books and records and toys and games right. and we did like vinyl albums and they all had songs and we had a word wheel and there That's were so all amazing. Random House Penguin books. Right. And Penguin, is, thank goodness, asked me back. And Chris just came back and he just wrote a new Dr. Seuss book called wow. A Skunk in My Bunk. The Skunk which in My just Bunk? just came out. Hey, we've all been there. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Dutch Oven Skunk, skunk right? <laughs> <laughs> But um, it, it was a very interesting experience, and it was very well run, and there were only five of us. It was before big corporate structures. Yeah. So it was sort of like a think tank. Yeah. That's so and, neat. Yeah. But also, I think, a place where, where you had the autonomy to actually make things. Yes. And to decide on, on them without having to run it through, like, a yeah. bureaucratic... Well, it was also, uh, it ran every day, so we didn't have a lot of time. Right. There was like a lot of, you know, on the, it was very active. Yeah. Yeah. And the studio was right there and everyone was right there and right. Jim Henson was right there and everyone was right there and they were all doing a show a day. You were doing five shows a week, uh, then 10, Amazing. 10 shows. With all the special, I mean, special effects I put in quotes, but you know, with Muppets and, and you know, things, the cameras that went in and out and different you know, trails and all. I remember all that kind of really cool stuff. But very Words well kept. Out of people your, your point about children's television is that in some way it's very low yeah, there's tap. A paradox, there's the a paradox in animation yeah. and television where the, the crappier the animation looks, whether it's made with good technology or not, the more accessible it is to an audience. Now, audiences tend to gravitate towards things that look low tech. Why? As opposed to How to you Train think? Your Dragon 2, which I've seen maybe 10 times with my three-year-old. I, I like the first one a lot. I, I like the, the second first. one, too. I haven't seen the second one yet. <laughs> my, my son loves the second one. But, it, no, but th that's an interesting point because, I, I mean, as an adult, but I think even as a kid, I really, I really always appreciated the art. But maybe because of Tony growing up right, with Tony Walton and stuff like of something where where like the bar of soap that Dopey goes after in Snow White is like just that bar of soap. It's right, such a and, work and of what art. you what you see, and I was and furious. You actually saw Robert Zemeckis when he when he made Polar Express. Uh, you saw that paradox at work, and that he was using a technology at that time that was very photoreal, and Tom Hanks had to like wear uh, the full green screen technology right. and have all the little dots and all the stuff that like the computers were going to pull him and make it almost feel like it was real, and yet. Somehow, for an audience, it was colder. Yeah, I, you know, uh, the Lion King remake is coming out in a in a week or so, and that's one of the things I've heard. And that it's the most amazing technology, but it's missing some emotional missing. and tangible. Right, right. It's but a I used bit to too. even yeah. as a kid. I mean, I think I I was I, I hear what you're saying that the the more simplistic it is, the more. Um, accessible it is but but even as a kid I was really angry if I saw like a character like a snagglepuss or something running and you, he was running past the same thing over and over but that was because I, like, so, I was so like well that's just lazy no but Hanna-Barbera you know Hanna-Barbera had that very classic style of animation the Fred Flintstone yes. style and that was all done because of cost which is you right. know in, normally is 24 frames per second right. gives you the illusion of movement and they did and like they, three no they, they got it down to 12 and they realized that that they can basically save eight frames a second and that created their style, which people now look at as, as very stylized and cool. But I remember being a kid, and one of the things about reading for me as a kid was what, what that did you I like believed everything. I believed yeah. everything. I thought I Oz they didn't was give you the real. Bible. I still did. I'm sorry, say that again? I what? thought Oz was real. I still do. I thought, you know, that I'm Ms. here Minchins, to tell you it is not. <laughs> are you sure? 
pretty sure. About I'm as sure as a Leroy sure. can be. And I'm probably, <laughs> I am probably, you might be right about that. But on the other hand, it felt real to me. The yes. secret garden felt absolutely real. I'm sure Misselthwaite exists somewhere if we could only find it. Okay. Um, and that's what I wanted to do with these because that's what that does. And it's also what How to Train Your Dragon does, too. It takes you into, transports you into another fantasy world that you completely believe and I completely understand why a two and a half year old can sit through that entire movie because they're there we're on they're on that adventure and that's the beauty of like any good book right. from Thomas Mann to Francis Hodgson Burnett right. where you at you're there yeah. you're at the magic mountain and that's what you know I try to explain that to people who don't read a lot because um, Stephen King once used the example, I think it might be in his book on writing, where he said it's the 10 foot tall bug theory, which is if you're reading about something and they open the door, you can imagine it to be whatever you want it to be. But if you're in a, watching a movie and they open the door, it's you might jump. baseball on the radio. It's baseball on the radio. It, you might jump, but then you're like, oh, it's a 10 foot tall bug. That's all it is. Yeah, you it, know? It, 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 uh, yeah it's a paradox. Yeah, it's a paradox. But because it's the theater of the mind. Yes, it is. And that's probably another good place for us to take another break. We're talking with Amy Efron, amazing writer. Get this Castle in the Mist, Carnival Magic, and soon. And by the way, her, her books the are going to be, uh, you just went and did a signing uh, where? In East Hampton? What's the bookstore? At Book, Book Hampton. Book Hampton. So you can, copies. You can, there are some signed copies there. Great gifts moving into uh, the second half of the summer season of gift giving. Uh, <laughs> and summer reading. And summer reading. Uh, and these are, these are books that as a parent you could, you could read and enjoy yourself and share with your kid. So I can't give a be- better endorsement. You're listening to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolow. Coming to you from WPPB. You can also listen to us online at 883wppb.org. And we're coming from L&W Market right on Main Street, Bridgehampton. We'll be right back. Sundays on the East End, WPPB, but at L and W in Bridgehampton. You sound like I'll find them with those top and bottomers. Say exit stage left. Oh, Snagglepuss. This is Alex Sokolo and the cowardly lion Bridget Leroy and Amy Efron. Amy Efron. We're having fun here. We're talking about. We're talking about. The, the portal into uh, imagination imag- well and also what is real and what isn't right and what's real and what's imagined and one of the things that Tess does when she goes through one of these um, experiences is at first she thinks it's her imagination and then she realizes that maybe she actually did dance with the stars and then she realizes the doors close behind her and she has to find her way back and that's one of the things her dad always told her which is if you get lost, you have to get back to where you started Yeah, yeah. That's in order to get back. And I think that's something that we were talking about just now, about mm. when you experience a trauma yeah. of any kind, in order to make yourself whole again, you have to get back to where you started in order to build yourself up again and get to all the levels. And I think Tess just keeps rising to new levels, some of which are controlled by the moon. There's a whole thing. Yeah, you about said something about astronomy. That there's a lot of astronomy there, in the books. It's not there's, just there's astrology. There's a where she does a dance with the Pleiades, and she thinks that she's Maya, who's the oldest oldest daughter of the of Pleiades. The Pleiades. Yes, seven, uh, aren't they the seven, seven sisters? Seven right? sisters, exactly. What's so cool though in the books is is all that like their <laughs> cell phones don't work. So like there's no technology. They, <laughs> they no have technology. to actually it's go over, yeah. on that other journey. You yeah. know that reminds me. I mean, it's like the movie Napoleon Dynamite. I was so. I was so fascinated when that came out because there, there was, and I love like, you know, all Quentin Tarantino movies, anything, whatever. But Napoleon Dynamite was this huge successful movie that had no sex, no cursing, and not really a story. It was just kind of like a sweet movie. I watched it over and over again because of that. And your books remind me of that in the sense that, 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 no, <laughs> I don't mean that there's no story, but I mean that there is, it, it's wiped clean of time if that makes sense right they also have a an ethical subset too though right and that's really and i wanted that to be very clear that there's an ethical subset to these right. stories that tess has a sense of right and wrong 
Right. And that a, a good deed may actually be returned in some way. In the second book, a good deed actually does get returned. It helps them on their journey back, something that she does earlier so in karma, the book. So karma plays a role in your storytelling. Well, yeah. I mean, karma means something different to, to know, you, you and I. <laughs> to me, but karma is a, is a chance to correct your so that you don't go on to your next life or even this life with the same patterns of behavior, destructive, it's correcting destructive patterns of behavior. Isn't there another... Um, People uh, think that karma's payback, but that's not what I think Well, it doesn't have me. to be payback. It can be pay forward. Yeah, it can be do good. Something, right. Your karma can be good. You yeah. have good karma. Well, that's, yeah, that's yeah. cause and effect. Yeah. I like soft serve karma. We're Wednesdays to <laughs> Sundays. Um, so is that your ice cream shop? Your yeah, new ice cream yeah. shop soft serve? Wednesdays and Sundays at Carville. <laughs> <laughs> Cookie boy. And shaved ice because it's summer. <laughs> That's right. It is summer. We're That's getting it. back to that. So the next book is The Other Side of the Wall. Yes. And what did, what did you want to continue to tell in that They're story? They're in London and there's a freak snowstorm which global warming gave me after I wrote it, I have to say. Um, and is, you were psychic. I was psychic. You, you, know, in England, in England, you can be a weatherman. Change, one of the big media outlets in England said they no longer call it global climate warming, they call it climate change. Climate change. Yeah. And, it get, yeah, and there's a festival in Hyde Park, and they come back after playing in the park, which is with their Aunt Evie. Mm -hmm. um, and a horse and carriage has magically appeared at the curb. And she, Aunt Evie thinks that their father has sent it, but Tess and Max know better than that. Right. And they go to the dining room to have tea, and Tess sees a boy a little bit older than she is and quite attractive in a certain way who charms her. And he builds a kind of castle out of his tea condiments and scones and things, except that nobody else in the dining room can see him. I've had that happen. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's the I, beginning. I've had people disappear on street corners, absolutely, 100%. Yeah. Although it, it's, not, it's not clear that nobody else can see him. So and then he reappears. And so um, um, it's Christmas, and there may be a ghost in it, and it's London. And it's a boutique hotel. Is it hotel. Charles Dickens? Is, is no. it ghost Charles Dickens? No. 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 no there's. There's actually. Um, I've. Re I've read the book. Um, there's. There's karma. <laughs> on Hi. both sides of He's the wall. Staring at me. At both sides of the wall. <laughs> okay. And and uh, both worlds are made more right by the adventure. They're great yeah. books. They're great books. They are. Uh, healing hearts. It's so important. So where did you get that idea? I hate that question, but seriously, where did you get that? I have absolutely no idea. So it just came to well, you? Well, no, maybe, I mean, I really, I you spent a lot of it. time in London writing a horror movie that did not get made. And I had a lot of crazy adventures, and I think I managed to process them all into, into these three adventures, but... Um, so where do you think are some of the ma most magical places on Earth, where, there, where, where, where the different portals all connect where the different I think ages they can be connect. anywhere I think you can be in Vermont and you can suddenly see a road that goes down a little forest trail unlike France for example where if you're in the forest there's this strange thing in France where I where if you're in the forest it's completely silent it's also it's sort of terrifying except and for the piggies the, the truffle piggies that's a different place. Okay. That's the south of France. Yeah, okay, that's a completely mind. different I, I liked the idea place. of being in a pig, forest. Pigs, white pigs. truffles, yeah. dogs, black truffles. And you okay. feel like time's you. frozen. You racist. And Sorry. you're not sure whether time's frozen. But a lot of what I've done in these is kind of meld the senses. Right. Where sometimes she hears things, but she actually sees them instead of hearing them. Strange lights happen, strange right. rainbows happen, strange moons happen. So what, what of adults who have read your books who don't know you? I mean, have you ha you've probably had people come up to you and say something. I've had a number of 80 years, of 8 to 80, I've had a number of 80-year-olds say to me, you know, I had this strange experience with your book. I sat down to, you know, read a couple of pages, and then that was the rest of my afternoon, and thank you. You took me somewhere I haven't been for a really long that's, time. That's cool. So I felt that. And what um, do you read or what do you do to take you somewhere else? So you're not working. Well, I don't read a lot when I'm writing because the voice of these books is very so I'll reread, for example, I'll reread Isaac Dennison. I read mm. people who are very clean and not necessarily contemporary. Right. 
I'll reread Thomas Mann. I'll right. reread And it'll Fitzgerald. take you to another place. Yeah. It's that level and language another time. Thing, yeah. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. yeah. Uh, words meant something I'll, different. I'll reread Raymond Chandler. Yeah. Because it's easy. Right, right, And you right. know where you are, and you don't have to pay that much attention. I love rereading Raymond Chandler. I bet you do, too. I actually haven't read any Raymond Chandler probably since I was in high school, but I always love reading. My, like, my go-to author when I don't want to think, this is a horrible thing to say, is Bill Bryson. Because I find his reading right. just real easy and kind of amusing. But he also writes in a very modular way, so they're almost like essays that make a book. Well, no, because like his his book, The Life and Times of the Thunderbolt Kid, is kind of like the Wonder Years. It's him growing up. His father was a was a, a sports journalist for the Des Moines Register back when the Des Moines Register was one of the great newspapers, you know. Right. And it it's kind of like the Wonder Years, but with cursing. So I just, whenever I want to, but I mean, but it's also just about a simpler time, right. which might be kind of what you get to. So Let, that is my go-to book. Let's talk about the reemergence, book. though, yeah. of, of publishing. Um, you know, I know there are more bookstores open now than there were five years ago. There are, there are more sales. There are more kids reading. Yes. Uh, why do you think that is? If you have an opinion. I do have an opinion. I think that we're in a very toxic environment. I think that we're in a frightening environment. And I think that one of the, I think Broadway's booming for the same reason because people want escapism. Yeah, they want to go somewhere where it's contained, and there's not fear. I think that there's a lot of anger. Hey, Hollywood um, boomed during the years prior to World well, War II. Well, there's yeah. that the phrase I heard years and years ago that the the two industries that are recession proof are psychology and show business. Yep, right. When times and are trouble, you want escape and uh, alcohol escape. actually. Oh, is that true? Yeah, the alcohol sales go go up. Maybe not these days, but it used to go up with wartime. Right. Yeah, sure. But I don't even think that it's necessarily that we're at wartime. I think that we're in very uncertain times, right? Very chaotic times, very frightening times. Anything could happen at any moment. And I don't remember that when I was. I think I had a blissful, in you know, as crazy as it now was. you grew up in Los Angeles. You grew I up did. in. New I grew York. up in Los Angeles. Then I moved to New York. Then I went to a boarding school in Vermont. And then I moved back to New York. Okay. Putney? No. Uh, yeah, sort of. The Woodstock Country School, which okay. was um, holistic in its own way. It's now women's uh, minimum security prison. Because um, Vermont... <laughs> Sounds em- about right. Vermont eminent domained it. Um, wow. And, um, but it's still there. I visited it. It's a very beautiful spot, but um, in what? South Woodstock, Vermont. And there are lots of haunted places up there. There are a lot of haunted places up there, very magical places. Suddenly you're out there and you think a sprite could come out of the woods or you can skate on the, on the pond. Mm. Even if you don't have skates, you can do it. We used to just That's skate cool. out on our shoes all by ourselves. And I think a lot of that, a little bit of boarding school has gone into right. this because those are my... Well, you know what's so funny? I, let, I mean, again, let's bring the conversation a little bit back. Long Island on the East End has that in my opinion one of the most magical places i've ever it's one of the reasons i moved here is i just felt different what about when you were a teenager did you go off on your own oh all the time in yeah. fact my folks left me out here they were i was a city my folks were working in the city they left me out here by the time when i was 13 right. and just biked around and and yeah. nothing but adventures there was only one tv channel back then right channel uh, 30 or actually well maybe there's two there was there was a connecticut channel the channel 30 oh it was a channel 30 yeah which which the muppet show was on which but it wasn't. came in it came through on channel eight i think yeah that was it yeah that but was it was it. channel 30 from connecticut we made yeah. our own fun and our own water bongs <laughs> <laughs> and, and your own beach Adventures and your and your own s'mores and we're gonna make you a s'more. We promise more. Yeah. You you never. Please, sir. I have some more. Some more, some more. (laughs) Yeah. It's all. It's all about summer. So, but your book is come has to do with Christmas. Um, These kids are in boarding school, right? And so they get sent to. Did you like boarding school? Did you like going to boarding school? I I had very dysfunctional parents. Okay. Um, it was a better option. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The structure of boarding school, the, the safety of boarding school. Well, I also had my own apartment when I was 15. I was kind of emancipated. Ah, there you go. Well, there you go. Where was your apartment? Um, was it in, in New York or was it yeah, in Vermont? Yeah, it, uh, it was in New York, and I was in boarding school, and they had work, work terms. So I actually worked at Central Park. One of my first jobs was working at Central Park. Um, Doing what? Um, in the public relations department, and I got to name a deer, but I don't remember what I named it. A baby, Asshole. a baby doe. Was it like a New York <laughs> deer? I did it. No, no. And I wrote. It was during the Lindsay administration. Was it deer this? And right. my job was to write the weekend um, events. 
oh, and there cool. was a phone number that you called up, and this was very modern at the time, and you could listen to the weekend yeah. weekend well, you events. Know what's funny? It's about, about Central Park is, and um, I believe that Central Park is a place as a child is a place of magic, and as an adult, it's a place of anxiety, and that's the real shift. Not not the events in the park, but I think when a, an adult goes into the park. Um, with a kid, especially with right. their kid, their guard is up. Every tree or every right. rock is a trip to the hospital. There's glass on the ground. They say, right. when you're a kid, and I grew up in the shadows of Central Park, um, every tree should be climbed. Every every rock should be climbed. Right. And you see all the magic. And, and especially and at Central Park, where there's sta weird statuary and yeah. like things that you find, like not just the Mad Hatter well, and the you Alice have stuff. have a tavern on the green thing that I mean the tavern on the green thing not anymore <laughs> <laughs> I did but no but even before tavern did you I know mean, that Francis Hudson Burnett has a fountain I never knew that it's called no. the Burnett fountain no, but, and, but yes. I would go around corners. And there's, there's like there a rock that has like this, um, you know, a, a statue, a metal statue of a woman like reaching toward the sky. I actually think I, you took a picture of me in front of it okay. in high school. <laughs> yeah, because I, I was reaching uh, up. Did I go to high school? With, <laughs> Alec and I went to high school together yeah, I didn't go to in high New York City. Uh, um, in I, New I was York City. Yeah. That's oh, how we know each other, yeah, forever. <laughs> but um, but uh, yeah, Central Park is a magical place, and so is Hyde Park, and so you know all of those parks. And I always love Primrose Hill because of um, yeah, the other side of the wall has a big, big part of the storytelling does take place in Hyde Park, yeah, in London, and um, that's one of the things I also love about your writing is uh, it it brought me back there to my memories, just of being there as a tourist, and made it feel very much alive, Thank and you. and so that's very cool. I was lucky enough to go to school in London for a few years. So when Tony was making films there, and my um, my grandparents had a place in Cobham, Surrey, which is south of London, and they had these woods behind them. And Emma and I used to go through those woods. And you know what? English trees are very different because they're so old, and they have those roots that can well, sometimes come up spirits. three or four feet. The roots. Yeah. And so there, I was convinced that there were fairies living under and there, and I think they still do. I, I, Absolutely. No, but there definitely the moss are. And the and I would see the did you make things. wishes? Oh, all the time, and we made little. You know, we would have been hung as witches. I mean, we, we always made little shrines under these <laughs> roots, and but I mean, no, the no, magic they didn't was hang there. People as witches in England that much. That was Massachusetts. <laughs> well, <laughs> actually, right. I thought that they. I thought they, they drowned them. I thought they, that, they, that if they sunk, yeah. they weren't a witch, That's and if they Monty floated, Python. they were a witch. Right. But, but you know, they've always found very interesting and creative ways of torturing women through the centuries. So well, they have, point, England is the place of bull baiting, also, where they yeah. let's, let's tie a monkey to a, a bull and have right. it fight. Ooh. Uh, that was okay, recently we've gone about like way out of the magic. Well, we'll go back to <laughs> I Sesame want the magic. We'll I don't want to think to about no, no. It's, I almost uh, Hyde Park is magical. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Alex. And there's a huge Ferris wheel in Hyde Park actually um, in the summer. Yeah. Um, I mean, in the winter. In the winter, winter. Christmas winter. time, they have a whole Christmas, winter yeah. festival there. Uh, a whole. Oh, I love London, and it is that's a magical city. I mean, you can really believe everything that that happens there it happens but you were saying but also I also that think that you can turn a corner in London and think that you've stepped back in time yes I think there's a yeah, reason why the too. Harry Potter series works so well right because she's created an alternate world in England that's so completely amazing Tess just travels back and forth between you know, strange worlds. There are magical cities in, in the United States as well. I mean, New Orleans has that thing where you go around a corner and you look but in dark. and you see... Dark, yes. Frightening. I like dark, Yeah, New, or too, New Orleans is, is uh, definitely celebrates voodoo, the, uh, voodoo yeah. and the death and, and yeah. the, the darker side. But you still side. see yeah. those kind of interesting little corners. And yeah, well, no, I like the lighter side. Yeah. I like the idea that you can, like, come back from that, that there are... There are spirits on the other side, and you can rescue them. And yeah. that the people who are on the other side are just lost souls. And right. Well, let me ask you. you right, so here's a question for you, Amy. Like, how do you maintain that sense of wonder as you go through the monotony of life? Like that sense, because that's wonderful. Have you ever spent an afternoon with me? <laughs> 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 Strange things happen. That's okay. all I can say. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. When well, you least how. expect it. Yeah. That's, <laughs> really that's cool. so great. That's really cool. Because I think that that's, that's the, 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 the magical thinking. I'll go back to that. Is, is the idea that, that you, can, you can experience something and it doesn't have to be explained, but it's as real. It's realer than the things right in front of your nose. Absolutely. That's and also, you never know what's going to happen in that. I mean, I always, 
I always used to feel when I was single, this is my this is my advice for anybody out there who's single, is you have to behave in some way as if the next minute may be the beginning of the rest of your life. And I also try to infuse that in these books where I think Tess believes that. She has a tendency to jump in without even thinking about it, and then she has to get herself out, but that she'll find a road to travel that way and people to travel it with. And there's a lot of things about companionship here and magic and music and light, light. Light, right, and that light. goes to, did, did, did light come out of dark or does dark come out of light? Well, that's shut up every, everybody up. Well, no, I, th I think, you know, in the Castle in the Mist, for example, when they go on the other side of the Hawthorne trees, the castle starts to disappear. And she has to bring it back so that, that there is light again. That kind of scares me. I mean, that Sorry. idea. No, no, but the, you don't you find... No, I know, but the, <laughs> the, the, I, the movies or the books that I've read or the films that I've seen where someone goes through a portal and then they turn around and it's not there anymore, I find that terrifying. Uh, all right, well. well, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think that that's you know, a lot of very good fiction has that as a hook. I but guess Wizard but of Oz. Also, kind of. like kind of a, a little bit of a of a metaphor for life or an sure. alley. I mean, like is that we all are constantly the world is, is not stasis. It doesn't stay the same. So things are always changing, and you're always seeing a world that you never saw before, even if it looks somewhat similar. But that's also why you have to get back to where you started sometimes. It's also why family is so important. It's why the brother-sister relationship is so important. It's why the love relationships are so important. Because those are the things that bond us. I mean, I joke that they're my other family, the Sokolos, because our family. Oh, I joke the, the same thing. Yeah, so uh, we're all too. related. That makes three of us. You can, of course. Can you be our other family too? Oh, please. Yeah. Can okay, I, be, I can be. A, well, I've always said I'm an honorary Soclo. I'm an honorary Mac. And can I be an honorary Efron? Yeah, Efron Pelleggi. Pelleggi. Oh, yeah, with Nick. Oh. Yeah. Okay. That. That's. I Nick's so. a cool cat. Nick. Nick. Uh, Nick is great. We actually ran a story about Nick a couple of weeks ago, and now we have Gay Tulis and the Independent. Yeah. So Gay's his yeah, cousin. Nick's just a cool cat. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Amy, this has been a really informative, incredible show about the magic of writing, your own incredible journey. How, do you have a website or but something? But I think one of the things that you do when you write is you leave yourself open. There's a carousel sequence in the first book, and they're on the carousel, and I'm sitting there writing, and suddenly Tessa's horse began to ride off the carousel and it was real I didn't expect that to happen and I think one of the things you have to do as a writer is not hold all the time to your outlines to your set you have to let your characters operate in the world that they're in it's like the beauty of Casablanca for example right. where they didn't know how it was going to end and one of the reasons they didn't know how it was going to end was because they didn't know how the interactions between the people were going to work where it was going to go what door was going to open and it's one of the things that I that's what I if you gave me an outline and asked me to sit down and write it I think I'd start crying because the characters have to because I can't be, it's, it's not what I alive, I'm, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. They, I'm like, the yeah, decisions have yeah, been made yeah Go get someone else to write that. I'm not, yeah. And that's, for me, the beauty of writing is that you have to let them really live, really have their own voices, really have their so own let go of control, their own emotions, their own everything. And then sometimes you have to pull it back, but at least you know all the levels that are going on. Do you have a website that people can explore? com. Okay. AmyEfron.com. <laughs> 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 The Philomel uh, title, it's, Philomel. it's, it's yeah, uh, Philomel. Penguin Books. They've been good to you? They've been amazing. They really have been amazing. It's a, it's a funny little imprint at Penguin, and they publish Chelsea Clinton. They publish Justice Sotomayor. Um, they and they publish you. Kamala Harris. <laughs> yes, but it, it's a very tiny imprint inside Penguin Random House and they've really been extraordinary to me and um, I love Jill Santopolo so. And if people want to pick up uh, some of Amy Efron's books they are right now at Bookhampton signed and uh, do you have any plans to give a talk out here or anything? I know you did last year. I do not. Okay well someone <laughs> hit, hit Amy <laughs> up. AmyEfron.com Oh, well, this yeah. has been really wonderful. I am going to go to Central Park in September because Frances Hodgson Burnett is being inducted into the 
Public Library of America as a famous author. And they asked me to speak at the Burnett Fountain in Central Park, wow. and I never That's knew cool. that where, there where was. Where is it? Like, do you remember what street it's on? No, I have no idea. I've never been there. Oh, we got. I look didn't it know. Up. We have to look up the Burnett Fountain, don't you? It's a new thing to aspire to. By the way, a uh, fountain named after you. You well, can have I a can, street. You can have a. I but can go to. I can go to Michael Mackey's store. There are Sokolo sausages in Poland. There are Sokolo yeah. sausages. So there's actually a city in Poland called Sokolo, and that's where the sausages come from. But it's really named after you. We know that. Oh, absolutely. I can just go to, you know, to Michael Mackey's store and get myself a little fountain and name it Bridget Leroy Fountain. Right. <laughs> so I'll do that. <laughs> anyway, this has been a magical journey with Amy Efron. This is Sundays on the East End. Thank you. Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokol. And our producer, Kyle Lynch. Thank and you. thank you so much, Amy, well, for coming on. Well, thank you for on. believing yeah, thank in you. me and believing in magic. Yes. Absolutely. And clap your hands. Absolutely. So everybody have a good week out there. Sail, don't row this week if you can. And be well and stay well. <laughs>